This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It is Enemies. I'm Lisa Traeger. Thanks for joining me again for another episode. Today, no beating around the bush. We do have my best friend. You've probably heard of her. Her name is Julia. I mention her often. And um, she, like always, got me out of a bind and swooped in to record an episode when I needed her to. So we have some fun chats, um, insightful things, some embarrassing stories, our story, um, growth, how to get from friends to enemies to back to even stronger friends. So lots of enjoyable things. Um, What is my life? Again, just... um, Putting off work, putting off cleaning, putting off health, putting off anything, and have a sunburn. So my enemy of the week is definitely the sun. Why is sunblock not working? I hurt so bad. And my bathing suit had like silly little cutouts. So it's um, painful and upsetting. Also, I think I even mentioned this on the podcast. It happened again. And if I didn't mention it, like my bad. But can you even fucking believe it? That a man had his feet on the stage naked, no shoes on again in my life. So in two weeks, I've had two separate men in the front put their naked feet onto the stage of a comedy show. I had to tell him once. Then I had to tell him twice. Then the comic after me who didn't see me talk to him also. Sorry, that was a noise that my body made, but also was disgusted and yelling at him. And it's like. No shame, no, but I just like, I can't even believe being that type of free person. Um, I'm also my worst enemy. I, you know, I'm taping auditions out here always. And my room is so messy that I couldn't, I don't, I didn't have anywhere to slate. Like you have to sometimes show your full body and go like, I'm five, four. Um, and you can't say how much you weigh. I'm sure there's like rules now and respectability or something, but they ask you to like do a up and down of your body and tell you how tall you are. And um, I was like, there's garbage all over. Like I had to do it in front of my Lady Gaga shower curtain. It was really um, wild to see. Um, what else? I thought of something while I was talking and it left my brain immediately. I'm sure you've all been there. Um, I had some whitefish this morning, thrilled. I'm going to keep this short, but oh, I had a moment where I met someone that I am truly obsessed with their work and that the, sh- the show they're in, I have merch from that show, like huge psychotic fan. And I ended up meeting this person But I, in my head, I was like, okay, do I fully let this person know I'm obsessed? Am I going to be chill? Am I going to be chat? So instead, I like played it too cool. And that's stupid, you know, because then it seemed like I hated this person. Like, don't pretend you're too cool. And I think I like kind of handled it, but I was like quiet and just kept smiling and like couldn't function, but wanted to, um, And then later this person followed me. So I was so excited. But I have like weird messages I've sent them because I'm obsessed. So I had to then like write and be like, sorry, this is embarrassing. I played it too cool. Clearly I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed and now it's out in the open. And why didn't I actually like stop and get more information? So hopefully there'll be more to tell from this story. But the lesson is always be yourself and speak from the heart and don't be nervous. Um... 
So anyways, we have my best friend, saved my ass, came on on the pod. Um, I hope you liked that little intro. It's so fucked because I fast forward every intro of every podcast I listen to. And yet I still do this. Like what like what is permanently fucked in my head? Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking be so accomplished today. I can't wait. Also started watching old Roseanne Mm, holds up incredible. Such so good. So, so, so good. Um, but so yeah, she works in higher education. Um, so we'll have a departure from, I will still talk about comedy so much. Um, and I, whatever, um, she is cool. Um, she is my person that I reach out to for good and bad and fun and chill. And yeah, it's really um, a blessing and it's cool. And if you have a friend like I have, then you should cherish, cherish, feel good about it um, because it's a rare and beautiful thing on the planet. I hope you love that. So get excited for Julia Luisa. <laughs> Why am I fucking it up? I do some of my other podcasts. There's Lois on on SVU, Judge Lois, and I'm always like Louis, Lois, Louise. Like it's Louisa. Like it's like because Louise, Louise, and Louise is different, right? Like a man and a woman, Louise. Whatever. We're gender binary, non-binary here. <sighs> Listen, it's my friend Julia Olson. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Julia, I feel like the listeners are going to be happy. They've heard about you. Um, I feel you're referenced often. You're referenced often. <laughs> yes. Well, you and I are in the friendship and enemies business together. <laughs> yes. Famously, we were enemies for three years, did not speak, but planned a surprise birthday party for our friend while not communicating at all. And it was a hit. It was a great it party. Was. I think it's the I best mean, party I've ever, th- I've ever done. Well, the Halloween party was pretty good that you helped me throw. Yeah, but I, I consider you did that. I, well, I don't know. Could, th- could have, uh, could it have I been helped done clean without you? the morning after. <laughs> you decorated. True, 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 true. Moved furniture, you you know. You do a lot of acts of service for me personally, but are you an acts of service person throughout your life? I would say, um, so I'm going to be 38 in a couple months, and I think that is something I've learned in my 37th year, that I am a service-oriented person, and I that's how I approach my work at my job, but I also think that is what makes me tick just in life in general too. Tick in what way? Like um, it, it brings me joy. It, it motivates me. It makes me feel accomplished. And I like it. You like it. Is there ever a time where it's too much? Where you're like, I don't want to do this. Yes. And that's where I think I get into the sticky situations where, you know, because you know me so well, it's not like... I have falling outs with people. I can I can hit my limit and then I just break. So, I mean, I think over time I've become more mature and I deal with that a little better, but I've learned how to, you know, set boundaries, say no, things like that. Because um, I can't do everything, you know. And some things I just don't want to do. But I still think I'm service-oriented. What things do you not want to do? Well, I think it's like, it's not even so much things 
it might just be for who. You know, like you hit your limit sometimes, even if you are a person who enjoys service-based tasks and that's like how you show love. If it's never reciprocated to you, that gets tough. And I think that's when I sort of break and I maybe don't, you know, set the boundaries or ask for, you know, what I need in return from those people. So it's more like that, I would think, because I have my limits for sure. And when I reach them, it's like I am done and you don't want to push me more. <laughs> Can you think of a specific one? Because you do clean my apartment and organize, I would say twice a year. And I just am so disrespectful because it just I can't keep it under control. Are you yeah, ever looking at the room and go, Jesus Christ, how do you have more dresses? Like, truly, honestly, never. It bothers you way more than it bothers me because you know I'm also a messy person. You know I have piles of clothes in my house too. And like, I don't keep everything so tidy. I just don't, it's not as overwhelming for me as it is for you. That's so, what it is. It's the overall, because I feel like most of my intros for this show is me being like, Oh God, the apartment. I mean, I, these listeners must know it, it, it does. Well, and what do I tell you all the time? Who it cares? doesn't matter who cares. It's just, and I know it's something that is, you know, the hurdle you want to climb in life. And I, I believe someday you'll get there when you have two rooms, you know, yeah. who knows? Um, it's just to me, I, whenever we clean together or do organizing, I, I'm never thinking like, yep, this is it. This has solved it <laughs> yeah. I, ever. Because that's not true for me. And I'm an organized person. Yeah, in reality. We're also both, I'm, um, we're both gift givers. And I feel yes. that is something that I was met, made to feel guilty about for a long time. And I think you helped me realize like, why can't I just accept that this is what I like to do? And I don't need it in return. I actually get uncomfortable when I get things in return. Yeah. And it's I don't know, I, it like sucks when the things that you are good at are demeaned in society. Yeah. And the things that you aren't good at are seen as things that you that are valued. You know, a clean kitchen is valued. Right. Um, but and I guess people like gift giving, but it's I don't know. I always felt guilty well, I, about it because I think they see us as frivolous with money and that. That uh, that negative outweighs the positive of being really good at giving gifts. You yes. know what I mean? And I, I do think gift giving causes people a lot of stress and anxiety. Like my sister, she, I would say, is a terrible gift giver. And, it, and she knows it. And so it's never like I'm expecting like the most mind-boggling gift of my life from her. But she has so much anxiety about it. She hates it. And it's not, it's just because she, she's such a perfectionist. So like for me, what the joy I get is if I see something that reminds me of somebody, I can't wait. Now, one of the things that I admire about you that I don't really have to do in my life is you are a professional. And, and I you don't, know what I always say, what? you are definitely a professional. <laughs> You are in like high level meetings all the time, negotiating deals. Like it's just different. It's it's not, you're not a nine to five professional. Yeah. Like I can have an attitude if I feel I can just have an attitude. I guess I can, um, I change, I, 
I do suffer consequences at times. Like the way I act sometimes I can't go back to a certain place or work with a certain person (laughs) or, you know, who knows if that this one producer I had a bad time with is bad mouthing me all over town. We don't know. Like there are consequences to my behavior, but I am kind of allowed, especially as a creative in my job. Like, yeah, I can act how I want in a way. They really um, embolden the more, yeah, they embolden people to act crazy and they allow yeah. it at times, I think with men more, but I am always shocked at how you keep it together in an office setting. Cause I've known your professional life since the moment I met you. So for those who don't know, she, uh, Julia worked at the desk. What was it? The and, registrar's office at the university we went to. North yes. University. So this is going back now, 12, 13 years. So I've seen you through multiple universities, multiple professional settings. You, I, you know, you have to deal with certain bosses or coworkers and you hand, you have patience. I think that's what it is. You're patient, you're calm, but you're filled with rage. I don't know. How do you keep a professional? (laughs) You'll just walk. I feel like you'll just walk five miles or something to like keep it together, but you're able to get your point across in ways that I can't fathom. Or sometimes I'll send you an email and you'll be like, please don't send this. And then you'll kind of professional language it where I, yeah. How do you do it? How do you stay professional grounded, but get your point across when you're pissed at work? It's a great question because so we act, I actually had to do this, like it's called a strengths finder assessment, which is basically like a horoscope for professional development. And you get your like five, greatest strengths and my first strength was listed as activator which means like I don't wait for permission I make things happen but there was a line in it that was like you're you're not afraid to threaten (laughs) and it's like it is true like I'm kind of I I do strike a bit of fear in others a little bit but that's I think it's not necessarily because I'm cruel it's because I am really good at what I do and people respect that and people know that, you know, I have expectations for their performance too. Um, so yes, I, I do think I have a lot of patience, but I am also impatient. But and I it's, think so the answer is threats. It's not threats. <laughs> I don't you're know. If I, people. I don't, yeah, I know. I was like, how is this a strength? I, I do have to say one of my, one of my five strengths was empathy too so and I'm a collaborator um so it wasn't all well because yeah because you're not only dealing with like co-workers you're you're dealing with students a lot and they are yes I'm a higher ed professional Um, I think I think what gives me the patience because that was something that kind of came to light really quickly in my career when I was first starting out because I was just the front desk girl for the registrar's office but I had a knack for just tolerating the rage that came to me and filtering it through. And then, and I think, okay, so it is a tactic of, you know, customer service to like soothe an angry person to just be very calm and, you know, accommodating, you know, but it also annoys people when they can't fluster you. Mm, And so I see it more as a strength. Like, and I think because I used to be so chaotic in my personal life where I would like flip out. I mean, you know this, like, you know, I'd fight, I, you know, I, 
have, you know, I was kind of petty and I, I wasn't so patient. I think, you know, having enough negative like responses to that behavior sort of did shape me a little bit. And I realized it's much more effective to just keep your cool, you know, and, and also a lot of the times, some of the things I'm dealing with, you know, I used to say this all the time before the pandemic, I'm nothing I'm doing is life or death, you know, so I don't need to get so, you know, worked up or I, you know, I can remind people of that so we can calm down. Most problems can be solved. It just might be annoying how we get there. Um, you know, of course the pandemic changed that cause I work for art school. So we were in person throughout. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's like an authority thing on my part to keep cool. Like, you know me, I'm like a control freak, <laughs> but like kind of stealthily. Yeah. I was about to say, I actually don't know that. <laughs> I have no, I have no well, idea that you're a control freak. Well, I mean, but maybe it's because I like to do what you say, so it's not really. Yeah, there's a good balance between you. You're like, be ready. We're going to the beach. I have the chair. (laughs) I have the snacks. I have the plans and I know where the ferry takes off. And it's like, all right, let's go. But I guess I never saw it as a control freak vibe. Now, do the students, admin and faculty, do they have a difference in how they react to you in terms of you keeping it cool? I think I have, I think that I do have a lot of respect, especially where I'm at now. I've been there for a long time and especially after the pandemic, like I learned I was very good at a crisis and I learned I could like just easily make decisions when there was a lot of crazy information. Um, and so I, I'm pretty sure that my colleagues know this about me and, and see me as like kind of like a voice of reason in the room a lot of the time. And so do the faculty. The students, the students appreciate me because once they get to me, like I'm not on the front lines with students anymore, but so once they get to me, it's usually like an escalated situation. And, you know, I'm a bit, because, and this is what I say, like professionally, I'm a service oriented person. You know, I really understand like, I take it seriously the amount of money our students are paying, no matter how wealthy they may be, no matter if they care or not how much the cost is. I want what we're producing to be of value and I want my part in that to be of value. And so I try to, that's kind of like my point of view that I try to get across in anything that I do. And, you know, sometimes I flail. I mean, I, when I get frustrated, it's, I, I can't hide it on my face so people know too. But I'm usually frustrated about the right things. (laughs) Yeah, you could tell when um, we're both of us are pissed on our face. Mm -hmm. We definitely don't hide. Yeah, but I think that's I don't know. I look, I'm at peace with it. You know, like I don't have a poker face. I think I can be calm, though. I don't you know, I think it's a strength anyway to show how. People have fake fights in their head, like in the shower or when they're doing mm-hmm. it. I have a fantasy fight where I want to be within a group and then someone's talking and I hate what they're saying. And I want to have like, I imagine like me having a face and then the person going, what's that about? And then me being like, oh, I hate everything that you're saying. Is that not clear? <laughs> and so I fantasize about that all the time. Being called out um, for my face and being like, I know. What are you confused about? I hate you. I'm actually shocked that hasn't happened. I know. I want it so bad. Because you are always right. I mean, I am never as prepared to fight as you are. 
Sometimes my leg shakes. Like I'm not always. Or oh yeah. Some, no, no, no. I know. I know. It, it, yeah. it works you up. But I'm just saying, you always, you always have the best, snappiest retort. <laughs> no, but even the, if you say that, or like I, you know, sometimes I'm quick. No matter what, how quick you are, two days later, you think of the better thing to say. That is. Oh yeah. I course. think that's universal for everybody. I'm ready, but it's because. Well, that's another thing that I always admire about you. So, because. I I don't know how to even say this. Men piss both of us off. I think the way mm-hmm. men treat both of us is pretty in line. You've had to deal with it longer because because of your Christian background, let's say, former mm-hmm. Christian life. A lot of people got married young and they're religious and right. So they're going to be douche lords and they have a certain idea of how women should act. And, you know, I always see things that's like you never want to trust. Like. Uh, yeah, you only want to trust women's opinions of men if they're the women that piss the men off. Like, if yeah. you're someone that goes with it or you're, like, giggly and flirty and they want to buy you drinks, of course you're like, oh, yeah, men are great. And then as soon as you disagree, we really have to deal with insane men. And you've had to deal with it longer. Again, patience. You're patient. And you let people and friends make mistakes around you without getting too involved. Yeah, I think that's true. I was actually just remembering this... I. <sighs> People yell at you. I mean, New Year's and they have and they have no decorum. That's the thing. Like they'll yell at you in a New Year's party. They'll yell at you at the middle of a restaurant. They'll yell at you in your fucking house. Like it is wild the disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and most of the time though it's not yelling. It's um trying to poke holes in my beliefs or what I care about. Like and, and kind of like, and I think a lot of like straight white guys do that. It's like their default, you know, and it's not flirting. It's not that it's specifically to annoy and tear down. Um, so I do, I do get bristly about that, but I've learned to not let that bother me as much. But yeah, even when I was yelled at at that New Year's party, I kept it fucking cool. Yeah, and I think they were, like, pro the Holocaust. Like, what was it? It was something wild. (laughs) No, um, it was, well, we were going into 2017. So Trump had just been elected. And I was saying that, and actually, you know, I've said this a lot. I was saying the responsibility of Trump is not just on the Trump voters. It's also on all of us white people. You know, like we are all complicit in his ascension to power and what's going on right now. Like even those of us with the best of intentions, we it's impossible not to be complicit. And I was I was saying that it was and I was saying it. I, I didn't even realize I was going I was saying something controversial, you know, and then, yeah, this guy just got so mad at me and he was you no, know, he was half Jewish. So he was saying that he's not responsible for Trump. But white women have yelled at me for saying that too. I said that one time in a diversity training at work and some of the white faculty were like, not not me. I'm not part of the white. I'm not part of the problem. It was like, we all are. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, this is diversity training. It's not working. It didn't. It was a failure. And that's a big pet peeve of mine because it's like you cannot obviously generational trauma is real, but like you cannot use your parents or grandparents tragedies to remove yourself from what is happening 
right now with yeah, your privilege. Well, like, it, it bothers was, me. It was just so, I mean, but this guy, I think he, I think, and, you know, to be fair. I mean, I've yelled much, with this guy and it was about bagels. So yeah, it's not always hard. Yes. He's yeah. argumentative. <laughs> but I think what I was most taken aback by was like, his wife was lecturing me about my delivery and I did stand up for it my, myself. And I said, you know, to be fair, I'm not the one yelling at a party. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't yelling. And what was the response after she you said, said that? You're right. She said, yeah. you're right. So I was like, that was when I was like, Oh, it came to me at the right moment. You know, I was like happy. I said that. Um, but no, I was thinking the other day, like, I was remembering this guy that I hooked up with right after I graduated from college who I had gone to college with. And he and I had already always had kind of like a flirty relationship that I had a, a boyfriend that he was sort of like always in competition with or whatever. So that's probably a lot of why I ended up finally hooking up with him or whatever. And I did have a crush on him, but it wasn't that serious. And it was like maybe after the second time we hooked up, I was at work. I worked at this terrible chocolate factory and he was G-chatting me about, he was basically like, dumping me but we weren't together we weren't going out or anything and he was just telling me that he thinks I'm a bad person and I honestly think it was because we had sex because all of these guys at this Christian school were so like talk about purity culture damaging women and young girls it really does a number on men too and I, I, this guy had so many problems with women in general. And so, yeah, we had had a friendship for years before. And so that's why I was just like, oh, okay, now I'm a bad, basically calling me a slut. <laughs> I was like, took two of us to get into the situation. <laughs> and then you never spoke again? Um, no, I probably saw him around. I, pr- I handled that situation by kind of not letting him, because he wasn't saying it so directly to me. And so I handled that situation by being a little bit obtuse. And then when he got, well, when the next time I think I saw him, he was like wasted or whatever. He was coming on to me and I was just like, get away from me. You know, like, so. You know what this reminded me of? And it's like, it's when that woman, okay, we went to an art opening or an art event and this girl was being rude to me and I just stuck a piece of bread with cheese in my mouth and refused (laughs) it. I do, like, that memory is burned into my mind because you look so cute. Like, you just go, mm-hmm, and then your face was full of bread and cheese. Well, I felt so guilty because I exposed you to that horrible person. Yeah, but people are just wild. It's wild. And I guess if you are argumentative, you see it more. Or I just feel whenever I'm in a green room, people want to talk about sexual assault or Louie with me or Chris, like, every, no matter what. Julia and I were at the olive tree on top of the comedy cellar, enjoying our lives, chatting. And we're chatting about a play where there's rape, but the director refused to acknowledge that it was rape because it was the 1700s in the play. But it is what it is. Like, and yeah, insinuating there wasn't rape back then or something. Yeah. And so we were discussing that on our own. This guy sits in the booth. I don't want to argue with him. You don't want to. And, but he wouldn't leave. We were like, yeah, you physically can- trapped us yeah. in, in a booth, booth at your workplace. <laughs> 
And I was like, we don't want to talk to you. Why are you even arguing? I don't even know you. I have not even met him at this point. Like this was our first interaction. And then when he and I said, will you please leave us alone? He said, it's a free country. Yeah. And then I stood up and said, fine, then we'll fucking leave. And that's the only thing that made him leave. And then from then on, he's played the victim. From then on, he always is like, oh, oh yeah. Lisa doesn't like well, me. Lisa doesn't like me. Us, like we were being ridiculous. And we were like, we don't want to talk to this guy. Like we don't want to be having this conversation. We were privately chatting between ourselves. Like I certainly never want to talk about anything with any of those comedians. Like yeah. I never leave, leave feeling like I remember one time at the cellar, uh, someone told me that Trump, uh, like reminded him of his father-in-law. And I said, Oh, don't, don't say like, don't say that about your father-in-law kind of being like, you know, don't talk down about your father-in-law. And he was like, no, you know, Trump is really smart. Trump. And I was the only one at the table. And I was just like, what? I was like, the only people who ever tell me Trump is really smart are like white guys, you know? And I, and I'm not an idiot. I get where, you know, he's strategic, of course, but he's also got a lot of wealth and power and other people around him, you know? Um, but it it was like I just I'm always caught off guard there. Well, no and the what. guy that trapped us, he at a later date, um, my friend was telling me she was like in an argument with a very famous, powerful comedian. And this guy stood silent. And then afterwards, oh, told yeah. my friend like, oh, you were right but wouldn't stand up to this famous comedian. But he had absolutely no problems arguing and pushing his shit on us. But as soon as it's someone famous, why cat got your tongue? Why aren't you so bold with that person? Well, and how, and I feel like this is true. You know, you and I can be kind of, you know, we have opinions as we've been told we are opinionated. Um, But I feel like that's never really painted as a positive and, you know, you, we have our issues. We are gossipy. We can be mean. Yeah. We have, we are working on it. Um, but I feel like sometimes people just kind of act like we're a bit silly. And I, I think you and I are both really intelligent, <laughs> like pretty grounded, especially amongst some of the other people that we know. And it's frustrating because it's like the the women in our lives who get like the broad strokes brush of being like, you know, easy to be around are the ones who don't say shit. Yeah. And that's what I find so frustrating. That's and it is frustrating. That's why we get into so many fights. And you <laughs> see it in front. You know, there was a moment. Um, Noam, the owner of the cellar, has been on this podcast and um whatever so he, so I was sitting at the table and it was a guy I hate Andrew Schultz open invite to do this podcast but I think he thinks he's too cool at this point but he was <laughs> harassing my friend not harassing but it was like a night out she wants to have fun she is a black woman and immediately he's like you know there's also class it's not all about race like uh. she she's a college educated smart woman that is in her forties. She fucking knows about class. Like to think, so I was pissed that he was like bringing up race to her when she was having fun. And when I interrupted the convo, he put his hand in my face. I was like, Shh, no one's talking to you. And I was like, actually I'm at the table. That's my friend. And I get to do whatever the fuck I want here. Then Noam, the owner comes and interrupts their conversation too. I'm telling, he didn't respond the same way. And I called him out. I go, why didn't you treat this man the way you just treated me when he interrupted you? They all think they're badass, but it's like, you're put like, I don't even want to say, but like you're, you're, you have no balls at the end of the day. 
You're willing to fight and yell at me when no one is around. But as soon as someone that you want to lick their dick is around, suddenly you don't treat everyone the same. And it's like you think you're so strong and tough. And it's like you're not. You're fucking not. So, yeah, it just bothers me. These guys think they're so tough. But as soon as it's someone with a little bit of power that they deem more valuable, they are they will shrink and they do not stand up for themselves. And which is usually just another guy. It yeah. doesn't even have to be someone with as much power as no. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually just a friend that's an idiot. Yeah, it could be a guy. Well, I just saw a thing where they're like, a man will never ask a woman for help. So if that happens, you know you're in a dangerous situation and you need to run away. And I was like, that's so smart. Duh. No man's being like, can you help? Like, silence of the lamb style. Like, oh, come help me oh. with this bureau. They're not asking a woman for help. You know it's a scam. Men do not want women for help but yeah and it seems like we're all troublemakers because we're always talking shit but it's like or do I sit and stand silent as some douche lord puts his hand in my face and goes Shh, no one's talking to you and it's like so I'm supposed to not react well and there's a double standard too right because we're like you and I have also made mistakes with men whether it's friendship or dating or hooking up or whatever. And all it's like, people will point out all of those bad moments to us all the time, you know, as if we're supposed to always be like, so perfect and on top of it and good judges of character. Yet, no one holds anyone else to that standard. You know, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I always say if you want to be bad, you could be a, as bad as you want. And if you want to be good, you can't even do one bad thing. It negates right. everything else. And you're just as bad as the bad people because you made one mistake or whatever. Yeah, I'm friends with a couple creeps. Like I, ha- I have to cut every creep out of my life. I don't know what to tell you. I've, I've kept one or two. It's like, I know we're good. We do cut them out. <laughs> I've cut so many people out and then I've hated men and people are like, oh, but they're nice or they're this. And then what happens in a few years? They become right wing lunatics. It always happens. Yeah, you could just tell who's a fucking piece of shit. And it's the one that's like rude to the waitress, rude to the girl. Like we just see men being terrible at all times. And then I feel like I constantly have to prove it to everyone, too. Like they're blind. It's like, but you're seeing what I'm seeing, right? Yeah, or even, like, proving it to myself, too. Like, I will gaslight myself. I'll be made to feel bad around certain men, and I'll say, like, no, it must, I must have just been overly sensitive, like, it, because they're so nice to everyone else. But then it's, like, time and time, you know, I'm constantly being made to feel that same way. And I'm like, no, it's not, it, like, it's not in my mind. This is actually happening. The shitty behavior is happening all the time. Well, and that happened with one of my other friendships where I kept saying horrific things that were happening. And then to you being like, well, no, I must have read into it. I must have that. And eventually you had to be like, no, you can just trust the way you're being made to feel like it can't always be in my head. And that's a balance. It's hard, you know, because I think we want to believe the best of people first. And I think that's a I think that's a good quality. Ultimately, it's just that sometimes that it passes the point of harm, you know, like where you just can't take it anymore. Yeah. It is why it's it's a lot. You have seen me in some wild friendship. You give very good advice. Good well, advice. Well, I'm giver. pretty patient about your wild friendships. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I'm pretty not judgmental at and then I slowly 
Well, because you didn't even like one of my exes, but I had no clue until way after the breakup. And same with like, oh, I'm moving to L.A. Like, obviously, it was going to be sad because I would miss you. But like, I also didn't know that you were like, what the fuck until later? You do let people. It's not like because you said you're a control freak, but you're not overly controlling with what people do in their lives. You let people do what they do. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, because I also think, but it is because I want my own control over my life, you know? So whenever people give me, you know, truly probably constructive criticism that I should listen to, if it's unsolicited, I make it my mission to do the opposite. Wait, do you have an example in your head? Um, Some unsolicited advice? I mean, I guess the only one that's coming to me right now is after I graduated from college, I had broken up with my boyfriend. And as you said, we went to a super conservative Christian school. So literally every single other person I went to college with was getting married within a year or two of us graduating. And so it wasn't like I had a great group to like get an apartment with. Like I, I was just this single weirdo all of a sudden. And, um, one of my friends at their wedding, a bunch of the people who were there were all moving to Denver. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to Denver too, which I had never been there. It's really not my vibe. And my, I told my parents, I'm moving to Denver. And they were like, um, we think you should move home and we'll buy you a car. Which... I was infuriated by it for so many reasons because, you know, me with driving, it's like a big thing. And I was just like, how dare they think that that is what would get me to move to my hometown from Chicago? You know, like a car in Jamestown being better than living in Chicago alone. You know, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to Denver. Only lasted eight months. I had to, my apartment flooded with sewage. I had to move home. That I got into so much credit card debt and probably still paying it off in different ways. Um, you know, but I wasn't going to listen to anyone else. Like I just needed to figure it out for myself. And I believe that I believe, you know, I, I don't think failure is always the worst thing that can happen to you. No, but why am I always invite? Do you have an, uh, do you have a theory of why I'm, I invite these, um, toxic, such an overused word. Why I, how I invite these not good for me friendships and relationships into my orbit. You are a person who, so, you know, you know, we disagree on this. I believe you are an extrovert. Um, and (laughs) you are so energized by new friends. Like truly you get so much joy from meeting new people and making a new connection, especially if it's like really strong. And I think that kind of leads you, you're kind of like a bright light to bugs. So the chaos just comes and finds you and you're just there glowing and ready to accept it. And you get, and honestly, a lot of the people who have found you are, I would say narcissists and, um, harmful people. So, you know, I know you have a tough shell and, you know, sometimes people misread that, but you truly just want great friendships in your life, great relationships in general. And so you get so excited about it that you get blinded and they love bomb you. They do. It becomes, and it's always these intense, super like 
you know, and that was a little bit of what our friendship was when we first met, too. A hundred percent. But I, I've actually been pretty good. Since the last one, I have not made any real new friends. <laughs> I've been lonely and alone <laughs> in my apartment. <laughs> Know, don't different worry. problems, different problems. <laughs> um, no, you know, I'm trying to have more casual plans, uh, more relaxing, fun times. But you do know me better than anyone else in my life, I would say. You really do understand me. I think me. so. I think so. Do you think that's, that's unique well. to me or probably, I mean, you obviously know your partner really well and people in your life, but I do feel very understood by you. Well, yeah, we have a really special relationship. Yeah. I think that that's undeniable at this point. After, um, you know, your big friendship breakup from the last year, I was telling my best friend from home about it, who you know, and who also weirdly knows both both parties somehow. Um, And she, you know, I was just saying, you know, it's just a lot. I, I have a lot of guilt about it. I feel responsible for parts of it. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't love it. And she was like, oh no, you're never gonna, you're never, just promise me you're always going to be Lisa's friend. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, there's no fear. (laughs) I mean, we don't really fight that often, but maybe we will, you know, and I think we'll get through it this time. But it's also like, I think as an adult, you kind of pick and choose more things that matter to fight about, especially when you have like, it's, it is like being in a relationship in a lot of ways, you know, like I, Lane and I don't really fight that much because we just love and care about each other. And a lot of things aren't, you know, you can kind of overlook stuff here and there, or even big things. You can figure out a way to talk about them where it's not that heavy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think as long as I don't marry a buffoon, It'll be well. Good. I do. I have to say, I am. I that is the one outlier where I'm like, oh my god. I hope whoever, because I want that for you so much. I want you to find your person. Um, but it will change the dynamic of our relationship, which I'm fully 100% prepared for. You know, I won't always get to be the plus one, um, and I am ready and okay with that. I just hope it's a person that I can be really excited about and love too. And I promise you, though, if it isn't somebody that I really love a lot. You will never know until they yell at me in the restaurant. (laughs) But that would be a deal breaker for me. I feel, uh, hopefully, I think if like someone I was with just started yelling about men's rights activism, like, it would be an issue for me too. Yeah, yeah. There are other things that could come up. Who knows? It could just be somebody that just doesn't like me though. You know, I'm an acquired taste and I just think sometimes people just don't like me. Um, And I hope that isn't what happens. But I, don't, I think you're going to find a great person. Yeah, hopefully. Or just have a bunch of corgis at this point. I've <laughs> resigned. I've resigned <laughs> that life. Yeah, we do get involved. That is a thing. We're gossip. But people tell want to tell us stuff, too. It's really wild. Oh, I know. People tell me everything. Yeah. And I am not. I am one of the worst people you can tell. I mean, I'm empathetic. I'm compassionate. But it. I mean, I'm usually going to. I mean, I think now after. Last year, people have learned. People, a lot of people tell me things and they say, you cannot tell Lisa this. It's like the first <laughs> thing out of their mouth. And I say, okay. And 90% of the time, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, what happened, I f- fully even forgot for a moment. But 
yeah, it was bound to happen. Like there was going to be a combust yeah. and it was just and accelerated. I just shouldn't have, you know, I thought I genuinely thought I was helping and it was such a personal thing that well, I shouldn't and, have opened my mouth. Well, and there was a twist to it all because you told me once when I was blacked out drunk and I was happy <laughs> and I was like, oh, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, and but so- I could already kind of feel it that you weren't going to be really happy, but I kind of <laughs> needed to rip the bandaid off because my fear was that you were going to remember it at some point and then be furious with me. <laughs> I mean, I, it, and ultimately we, we can go on about this forever, but that is also why I told you because I thought you're eventually going to find out and you're going to ask me if I knew and I could, of course, I know rationally now I could have said, well, I'm not going to tell you that type of information about someone, no matter who it is. Um, but, you know, that wouldn't have necessarily been true. It all worked out the way it was going to work out. It, yeah. I, I mean, there's no going back on it. I, I just feel bad. I've taken ownership. I've apologized. It's been accepted. We've moved on. It's okay. But I feel guilt. Yeah, I um, there's yeah, I don't know how I feel about it all. I'm trying to think of a time where I truly. Oh, well, I got someone fired from their job for getting involved when I probably shouldn't have. Yes, the big one. Yeah, the big so one. <laughs> that's one where I got too involved. It is a thing. I admire people that are, that get to mind their business. But again, is it like the gift giving and the acts of service? Is this who I am? And do I always have to fight it or? Can I use well, my powers the thing. for good? I think sometimes we have the best of intentions, but that doesn't always matter because the outcome is really damaging, you know, especially when you're sticking your nose into something that, you know, really doesn't have anything to do with you. And that's a lesson I think you and I both have learned together for yeah. multiple t- multiple experiences and probably are still learning it. Yeah, I think I always think about you a lot when I hate my friends' husbands. I think that's like, I'm always like, I mean, Julia's dealt with this for much longer. It's okay. But those are the moments that. Well, that's like, that's kind of like another thing where I was like saying before, like it annoys people when you remain calm and they're all heated and aggressive, especially like in a service kind of thing. And it is very similar with husbands because my motivation for keeping cool and just being tolerant is sort of to wear them down. Like, yeah, I don't get to pick you being in my life, but guess what? You don't get to pick me being in your life either, you know? And um, it works (laughs) for the most part, you know, till I get screamed at. It is wild looking back on my life, thinking about like people getting married at 22. And my sister mm-hmm. did that. I'm not like full blown judgmental, but it uh, it is shocking. It's shocking to think about a 22 year old being married. Yeah. And I have, I, you know, I have some friends uh, from, co- I mean, most of my friends from college are still in those relationships and they, you know, they were together at 18. A lot of them met right away. And they have great relationships, great families, you know, get to do the things that they want and somehow just knew that about themselves. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I think I still don't know everything about myself a lot of the time. You know, and I think that if I had gotten into a marriage that young, it would have been detrimental. So it is It is kind of who you are. Absolutely. So I think we should let the public know how we met the fight <laughs> Let the, public the comeback because that's the thing you know the friendship that I ended last year like will it go on will it not what I don't know I met someone in Finland and they were friends with their childhood friend um since they were children now they're in their 40s they had a six-year break and then they went to Barcelona together um just recently and I asked how the trip was and they said she said good but they did not 
talk about the fight. Yeah. They just um, kept calm. But yeah, but you knew we would be friends again, even when we were fighting for three years. Well, I mean, I was really mad for a while, but then my life became so chaotic, not have anything to do with you. And I do think from the jump, I felt like I was in the middle of things because it wasn't just between you and I. And um, I felt pushed to take a side and you were annoying me so much that I, you know, cause you got mad at me. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, why? Okay. Side chosen. <laughs> Can't deal with this. I, it was just so much animosity under one roof that was, I did not see any way out of unless I cut ties with you at that time. Yeah. But then when I realized it was, so it wasn't like from the jump, I knew, oh, Lisa and I will make up and it will be better because I knew how pissed you were with me and how mad I was at you. And I just thought, oh, my life will just go on and it will be better. I think you probably thought we would just fade into the distance of your life. And instead I just became more ingrained in your comedy circle. (laughs) Well, yeah, I remember when you first started dating your boyfriend, I texted him and was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I remember. No, you texted, you said, are we enemies now? Oh my God. And he was like, he's like the most non-confrontational person in the world. And he was like, well, well, Lisa knows. And it was literally, I think after our first night together, like he was in my bed the next morning. And we just, I just laughed. I was like, okay, you know, obviously just maintain your friendship. He was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, as if I would tell him not to ever talk to you again. You could have. You could be, that is a common thing that happens. That is a thing. But at that point, I wasn't mad at you anymore. I was just, I was, that was when I was already past the point where I was just like, okay. No, you're right. Like, you were enough way is more. Enough. And so that's why Lane and I laughed about it because I was like, oh man, she's just never going to get over this. No. And even there were times when I wanted to be over it. We were in a giant booth at a bar and I wanted to be over it. And I just like, couldn't. No, and you I were couldn't. just like, it was like, if we were cartoon characters, you were like sitting like anger from inside out just like boiling flames coming out and it was just like no one was having a good time no and my ex was like being friendly with you and I was pissed this one time he was like talking to you and I was like what the fuck you're acting like how else was I gonna tell Lane what to do and it's like well I was the opposite (laughs) well I know I got kicked out of his apartment one night And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he goes, We're, she wants to plan a birthday party for our friend. And I was like, fine. But uh, <laughs> and it was totally nice. But yeah, you came over one night and my ex lived with a few other guys and we were in bed. And then I heard your laugh yeah. from the bed. And then I think I made him like kick people out or text yeah, our friends. Was, and be like, What's for, everyone was kind of, like, he looked so ashamed. And then everyone else was kind of like, you got to get out of here, Julia. <laughs> I didn't protest. I was like, of course, you know, Marty came with me. I think we went and got a bunch of snacks. Yeah. No, you already were. Li- yeah. You lived with a friend. Yeah. You were, you were It was way just more funny because we that. had so many more close friends in common yes. when we weren't friends than even from when we had started being friends. And so yeah. it was just so funny, you know, like, and everyone would just be like, it feels like you guys should be friends. 
<laughs> but we finally got there. Yeah. So the this is what happened. Yeah. Basically, you know, I, I started doing comedy and I started running a show right away, very early on. And I was flyering on the streets and I saw Julia on the street and I had re- recognized her from being working the desk at my university at the college. Um, and then you were a regular at a different comedy show. So you, I, you know, I knew you liked comedy. So I pitched you the flyer. I recognized your tattoo and then you're a good friend and roommate started doing comedy and was so funny. There's so few girls. And I feel like I attached myself immediately and was like, this is thrilling. We did Jimmy John's lunches. I remember there was a Thai food hang. And then within two months I was living in your pantry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was real wild times. Yeah, we lived in like an attic apartment and it was so small to begin with. But the pantry was pretty big size because it was a Chicago apartment. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a twin mattress on the floor. You built me a curtain and then the shelves were already there for the cans of food. And I just put my uh, (laughs) clothes on and then you put uh, this. Yeah, it was it was like an amazing apartment. Um, but even though I love my parents and they did so much in terms of like leaving me alone so I can be the truest person I like, I get to be who I am and that's a testament to my parents, but they also taught me and did not prepare me for life. They did not. (laughs) So even when I was searching for apartments, I think it was like when Miranda is going apartment shopping with Steve in sex in the city and it's like, you can't live here. And that's what happened. I was going to live in like a basement with a metal head and you were like, um, why don't you just pay for cleaning supplies and live on the ground? <laughs> I know I'm so worried about you. But and I, I was think an idiot. What ended up happening? You would have moved either back home with your parents or into the pantry eventually. So I was like, let's just avoid the chaos. Yeah, but you taught me like little. Like I didn't know what brie cheese was. You made fondue in a pot. I didn't even know how to make <laughs> mac and cheese properly. I was like truly coming to you on level zero, where you were like, "Can you put the shower liner inside the tub?" And I was like, "What are you even talking about?" Like I couldn't comprehend. <laughs> no, you told me you, that was one of our biggest issues because <laughs> you told me I I would ask you so many times as soon as you moved in with us, I just had to constantly be replacing the shower curtain liner. Because it would become moldy so fast because you would just keep it open and scrunched. And so I would just be like, oh, yeah, just fling it shut. And you were like, okay. And you were not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. And then at the new apartment that we eventually moved into, I was finally like, please shut the shower curtain. And you go, I don't know. Can't you just get like a real, like just get a door? As if I could install a shower with a door. Like I was just like, what? But it was, it was true, like, you were a little bit younger than I am, or you are a little bit younger than me, and you hadn't lived really on your own before, and I don't think I was a good communicator about stuff, and I am a control freak, like, it matters to me that the shower curtain is closed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like a moldy shower curtain. Not I know, I do, just but... wish, well, guess what? My shower curtain is straight open now. It is. <laughs> I mean, closed. It is fully flushed with the thing. You learned. I learned. I definitely learned, but there were little things. But you, yeah, you, uh, I mean, this is something I had to learn um, that you helped me learn with another partnership that I have where it's like, I'm not going to cook. I'm not going to be so forward in the household chores and I shouldn't feel guilty, but I should have done something. Like you really were running that whole yeah, household. Yeah. You- you, well, you found out, you, you kind of forced cooking. us, 
you forced us to move into the new apartment, which was beautiful and it was like a great, a great find. But remember, we had to go to Indiana to uh, draw, like, to get the red check from the subletters for the current place that only Kelly and I were on the lease for, and you refused to come to Indiana with us because oh you God. go, it's you go, it's my it's my day off, and it was my and Kelly's day off too. <laughs> we were like, and I and that because that was when it first started cracking with Kelly a little bit, and I was like, I don't know, she just she needs rest, you know, <laughs> she 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 hasn't had a room. I don't remember that one, but I do know when I finally knew that Kelly was pissed, I had borrowed her car and there was something, she said something about like gas. Cause I think a lot of the things I was absent minded, I was absent minded or not thinking about things. And as soon as they were brought to my attention, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. But the things seemed like I was being outwardly. There was like another day where you were working as a receptionist at a salon and I think it was about the coupons or something like some, you had gotten into an altercation with a coworker oh, with a drug addict that I then brought yes. to your house. Yeah, I remember <laughs> yes. that. Actually, this is perfect timing because last week's episode with Dan Friesen, we talk about this Adderall addict that I brought <laughs> to the home. And you but you call me and you're like enraged, but you're also panicking because you're like, I don't know, she might be coming over to smash all the things. And I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was just, and then it was like the insinuation that it hadn't been smart to provoke this woman at work. You got so annoyed with us about. And it was just like, we're just giving you good advice. Like you you ratted out a drug addict dealer from her scheme. <laughs> and then you you were threatened. <laughs> I was threatened. I was threatened <laughs> um, and I was scared. Absolutely. And that's when I think everything started to crumble. But w- uh, with the pantry, we did have great times. We threw some great parties. Yeah. There were some fun makeouts, some horrific moments. Um, but it was like a cute, amazing place. I do remember I was also very annoying when we moved into the new apartment because I don't think I helped anybody move. No, you, de- you didn't. I and didn't. Your mom, your mom came by and was you because we put you in the smallest bedroom because you didn't have anything Correct. and also you were you didn't have any money so you were paying less than kelly and i and you did nothing to get the apartment yeah. <laughs> other than find it and tell us to get it for you which we did and so we were like okay you're going in this bedroom and your mom when you were getting moved in all your stuff your mom, you come to me and you're like, my mom's worried that this isn't a big enough room for me. And I remember looking at you both and I go, it's a big enough room for Lisa. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I, I guess I probably don't remember the times that I was the most annoying. Yeah. These are some of these I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah I but you know, we this. were annoying too. Uh, there was a boyfriend situation involved, but I do um, look back on not helping anyone carry anything. And I'm like, what was I even thinking? I'm just trying to like put myself in that. It's kind of like with my racist you're just tweets. Baby of your family. It's like, what was I thinking? Just watching everyone carry heavy things. Like, I don't know. I didn't even pretend to help. Usually I At pretend. At that point I had lived in like, six apartments and had moved across the country. And, you know, so it was like, 
you were just kind of coming into it as this fresh new little baby and I think you just thought things got done. Yeah. And you didn't realize who was doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think, you know, there was like other stuff going on that I also don't think was about you and I at all. And I think that's why we've eventually been able to move beyond it because... There were a lot of guys in the center of it sullying and I think found joy in us not being friends. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that was the thing. As soon as you moved into the pantry, it was like, you guys won't be friends in six months. Yeah. That was an accurate timeline. It was so accurate. (laughs) No, one of the guys who I then ended up living with, who ended up trying to sue me, um, he said, he goes, that's so wild. You guys went from strangers to best friends to roommates to enemies in under a year. And it's true. It happened that fast. But um, yeah, and then we were just like around each other all the time. And you guys have probably heard that, you know, you have a very poignant laugh. And I remember one of the worst moments (laughs) was I went to do your boyfriend's comedy show. And it was a light night. It was maybe under 10 people there. But half of them were you, your friend, his brother, his brother. Like, (laughs) you were the contingent. And I had to go first. And you know, you were had been laughing, and then as soon as I went up, the laugh disappeared, and it was just you <laughs> glaring at me as I'm trying to do comedy, and everyone is noticing the laugh has disappeared, and it was, and that's when I got my mad power. at my ex because I was like, "Why the fuck were you talking to her?" And that's when you were like, yeah. "He's like, she just no, wants to throw funny. a surprise party," <laughs> which we did, which we and did. I, just said, I tried to send you a thing. But you wouldn't, ex- or I tried to thank you at the party in person. I tried to talk to you because I thought, oh, maybe this will be an opportunity. Yeah. To just, you know, kind of be on some better footing. But you were not having it. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was like 10 years ago now, or even more than maybe. And it was an amazing party. It was at a really cool dive bar. I think it was the busiest night of their lives. Um, wrestlers were there. Cute decorate. It was just like we we got a Weezer cover band. It was. Oh, that was so fun. The good old days. It was packed. It was like, yeah, it was a really great party. And then I forgot when it all dissipated, but you were moving to New York. And you were having a going away party. And I was going to go to it. No matter. <laughs> and, but we were all hanging out with a bunch of comics. And I was like, we're going to my enemy's party, but I have to go. Lane's my friend, too. And then our friends showed up going, you guys were just hugging and taking shots. And there was <laughs> no problems. Well, I, did, I just felt like you would come. Yeah. I just had a sense. And then, yeah, that is kind of where our friendship picked up again. Because then after that, I remember we would message each other. Yes. On Facebook and chat. And the craziest thing was that then you moved to New York a year later and the first place you stayed was at mine and Lane's studio. (laughs) Yes. And so it really was like full circle. And then it's still like, I feel like our friendship didn't fully solidify to the point where it is now until maybe like a year after that or so. Yeah, and even um, when I visited, I remember you came to my birthday party in Brooklyn. Like, we went to Harefields. We had brunch. Like, the Putterbaws were oh, there. Yeah. Like, that was the first, I think, like, hang, visiting. Yeah, moved. 
And then, I mean, we do have a lot of interests in common and mostly I think just drinking at a happy hour and then not leaving a bar for six hours. That well, is I think our... we genuinely find joy in each other. Yes. Like that was the thing. Like that's why I liked you immediately because you just made me laugh, you know, like, and we can be serious. And I do think that I understand the type of care you give to people where I think, I think we're very similar in very different ways you know, and it just works. And I think we both teach each other a lot of things, you know, cause like I've learned, I, I mean, cause I grew up so sheltered and then went to this conservative college that you ended up going to too, weirdly enough, but you had a totally different experience than I did, you know, and that, and, and, you know, so it was like, you've broken me out of a lot of my shell. Cause I do remember when we lived together, one of the things I was judgy towards you about was you were going to start, you were going to do uh, sex work over the phone. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I was just like, I was so annoyed with you about it. Like, I was just like, why would you do that? I, I, don't, I can't remember if this was after the Adderall incident or whatever, but it just seemed like sketchy enough. And I was like, you can't do that from our home. And I got, I, that was when I, and I remember regretting that later on because I was just like, why was I, why would I care? You know, but that was, well, you probably knew I I wouldn't be that good at it either. Well, (laughs) you were, you seemed excited about, I think, I think it was in reaction to the situation at work when you were the receptionist because I think you were worried that you couldn't physically go back there again. Yeah. No, so I'm... your big idea was sex work from our apartment. <laughs> it was wild. Oh, but after we, you know, we did have a screaming match. There was a big fight. It was obvious I was going to move out. Um, and then, but I was still in the living, I was, I would be in the living room. So one of the things that I fully remember was I came home from work one day and the TV was gone and anything that I used that was mutual was hidden away. (laughs) And so that made me definitely try to, I guess, leave quicker. Well, that, cause we got worried that you weren't going to leave. Oh yeah. Because up until that point, you were just fully living it up in the apartment (laughs) and I think Kelly and I were the ones paying for the cable because, like, that had been the agreement when we moved in, too, that Kelly and I would pay the utilities um, because you just – you did not have any money. And, um, yeah, so that – so we got very afraid that we were going to be um, – A squatter. Sectioned off in our room. <laughs> no, if you take the TV out, I'm leaving. Uh, that is true. We were both TV addicts, I would yes. say. That we and we like to lounge, yeah. Lunch, lounge, drink, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're yeah. super uh, pothead, and I'm not at all. Yeah, but I just I think a lot of the things that I would feel guilty about. It was like nice to be like, oh, you also enjoy spending yeah. money or like laying. Like I loved when you would make coffee and we would just watch marathons or tv i mean streaming wasn't even what it, what it is now but i remember watching public speaking it was like nice it was nice to drink coffee and lounge around watching tv yeah we have very similar you know lifestyles as yeah. far as what makes us comfortable yeah. in our home yeah. which i think it, it took a long time to figure that out but it was you know it was true and i i do think you know the other person um, not to fully blame anything. It just added to it. So it wasn't just totally 
you and I one-on-one. I think like if you, if it had only been you and I living together, like in that first apartment or something, I think we would have, you know, I think we would have fought for sure, but I don't think it would have been as aggressive as yeah. it was. Cause I, I don't think I would have felt the need to choose a side. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's kind of a positive and negative to both of our personalities our like sense of justice Yes. You know, and if we think something is unjust, we cannot let it go. And, you know, so it's like choose a side, no in between, which I think we've both gotten better about over the years. Yeah, my sense of like loyalty. And yeah, but you know what? My mom has that in her as well. Like she would always fight at work for things that she didn't find fair or something like that. I have no idea. But well, my mom is the least controversial. Like, you know, confrontational person ever. And I think that's why I'm so confrontational. Because I would get frustrated on her behalf a lot as a kid. And I was like, oh, no, you're not talking to my mom like that. And you're not talking to me like that. That was more my dad because my dad's a fucking annoying mess who doesn't use verbs. And so... (laughs) People were not nice to him. And I felt like I had to fucking defend him but one moment that you know like growing in terms of what is expected or what you want out of life where I we had had plans and I was at my other friend's house I was at Shauna's house and a a few of her friends came over she was cooking dinner and I was having fun I didn't want to leave and I was like so scared to call you and tell you and Sean was like, whatever, just do it. And then when I called you, you weren't mad at all. You were like, oh, okay, well, I'll go to this thing. Maybe we'll meet up later. I don't really want to go to Brooklyn, whatever. And I hung up being like, oh, she wasn't mad. And Sean was like, yeah, why would she be mad? Like to her, it was so confusing. But I, up until that point, I think I had volatile friendships or I was scared to disappoint people or like my work. I don't know what all the pressure was. But in that one little moment where it was like, oh, yeah, I can say what I want or if I want to break plans or if I found something like I don't have to lie or put on a front or anything like that. Or even when I'm staying at your house, there are I feel like I'm comfortable in most places, but there is like, oh, will they be mad or this or that? But there is not that feeling in your home. And maybe it's just me and you or hopefully all your probably all your guests feel like that at your house. But I I do feel 100 percent able to break play or whatever it is there's like no fear well yeah I I don't think you ever take advantage of me like setting up plans just to have something to do and then you know what I mean so it's like I I, there's no reason for me to take it personally um but I also think that what makes what gives you the fear is and this is a judgment on my part but in LA the LA crew is a little less easygoing about I feel like in New York everybody is breaking plans all the time yeah I don't know I, it's just, a, I, you know, I love New York. I like to visit L.A. But there's a stress. And when people say New Yorkers are uptight, I'm like, I don't know. Are you in L.A.? <laughs> so I think sometimes you do have friends that don't like that. or so, And some people don't. Some people are not. They really find that to be disrespectful. But For not sure. between us. No, it just was like, it was just like this click moment where it was like, oh, yeah, I'm having fun here. I don't want to go to this other thing or I don't want to try. I don't know. It just felt like understood and relaxed, easy. Just being. Yeah. Yeah. It feels nice. I hope everyone gets it because I do feel like there I was very lonely throughout pandemic, like a lot of pandemic and moments. And I had to go back to like, I don't know if everyone has a friend like Julia. Like, I just have to be more focused on like what I do have than what I don't. 
Yeah, but I also think, you know, it's pandemic was just such a weirdo time, you know, for everybody. And I was I felt lonely, too, even though I have a partner who I love being with and you know, get to be together. Everybody felt like I think extroverts felt lonely, you yeah. know, no matter what. Like, well, you know, coming out of I don't know what day it is of me living in this room because I have COVID currently. And I've just been watching Real Housewives of New York old episodes because like they are like friends to me. Yes. And I'm like, I feel like I'm participating in the world in some way, you know? And so I, ju- I just think like that was just a hard time in general. But yes, I don't, you know, I, I remind myself of that too a lot because I think I have some really great friends in New York, but most unfortunately of my closest friends have left for LA or elsewhere. And it's really hard to make friends when you're older. And I feel sad about that sometimes. But then I remember, like, you know, at the end of the day, I can always FaceTime Lisa. I'll see her. And we usually don't ever go more than, like, two months without seeing each other. Um, And I think we are lucky. And I I think, too, that that annoys people. That we have fun and like each other or that we've lasted or that we came back together? That we are as close as we are sometimes. I think people see how special, maybe it doesn't annoy them. I think they know how special it is and that we're lucky. And I'm lucky that me and your guy get along. That would be, oh, yeah. that would be a well, disaster. He did not excommunicate you when we first started. Yeah, that's, true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But he, that's, that's also something special that is not to bring it back to sex in the city. Um, I think it was the, was it the movie or the show? But when, um, yeah, when Carrie is so sad because the Russian is such a dick and then like Steve comes home with like donuts and he set up the cable. I don't know. That's like, I feel that Lane, um, mostly just cooks for me. You know, but he's not. It, it, <laughs> no, he's good. He's good. It's like he's thought he's very thoughtful. And I feel that's how I feel about my sister's husband. It's like there's a thoughtfulness yeah. that you either have or you possess or you don't possess. I don't know if that could be taught. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either because I do feel lucky with Wayne. But I will say, you know, as close as we are, sometimes he feels like jealous of our friendship, too. You know, it's not like and that that's the thing. You know, when you, and that's why I know that I am lucky to have you in my life because it is a really meaningful relationship. Um, and not that I want him to be jealous by any means, but you know, it is a balance. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I got to balance my time with Lane. (laughs) And, but he's so funny though, because his big thing is like, he hates it when we don't have anything to talk about. So, like, he'll be like, am, I'm, are you bored? Am I boring you? And it's like, no, we're literally together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I'm sorry that there's an hour where we're a little quiet, you know? And To me, it's like the opposite. It's like so special when I get to be like silent with someone for hours. I feel like, oh, this is the life. Like, this is cool. Well, and I think he always sees us when we get together for the first time after months and then it's just like that you know no one else in the world can get a a word in you know so it's like no just relax like that is my favorite memory is going to a happy hour at five and then it's 11 and the restaurant's like you must leave (laughs) that's at the 
And so many times. So, and then this last time we went to Bernie's, shout out in Greenpoint, so delicious. Oh yeah, that was fun. And I told the manager, I go, we're probably going to be here all night, like about five, six <laughs> hours. And then she came at the end and goes, wow, so you weren't kidding, but you have to leave. We ordered a lot. We ate a lot. Yes, we and always we left, take care of everyone. We left when we were told to leave. I don't know. I think it's because I just like, when I get somewhere, it's like, I don't want to go anywhere else. <sighs> yeah. I'm no. here. I agree. Yeah, we like hotels, trips. We're adventurous. We like art. We do things. The concerts, yeah. the parties. I think another fun memory is the Amy Sedaris premiere party when we oh were gosh, yeah. the first there and the last to leave with the pie. <laughs> we're taking posters home. Like it was <laughs> from top to bottom. <laughs> yeah, we just had a really good time that night. It was so fun. It was. Yeah, well, I can't. I mean, I hope parties like that exist again after COVID, or quote unquote after COVID. You have you've been to some parties. Yeah, but I mean, just the ease. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, and now that I'm coming out of this horrible illness, which truly was terrible, I know I don't think I can go back in the world and just be as easy breezy as I was the last like six months. Like I'm masking wherever all the time like I I don't want to get sick again like this it was really sad and they're saying that like you know that whole time where oh three months and you're can't catch it they're saying that's out the window people are getting new um strains after like three weeks so I just so that's what I mean like yeah there are fun parties I've been to fun parties I've done exciting things just the openness every and most of the parties that I've been to were planned to be more open and then had to close a bit you know and become smaller and so that's where it's like uh, that's why I'm having so much fun watching Roni because it's the before times also before Trump before all that so it's like just so much fun to experience New York the way it used to be yeah and you're in a very adventurous person that's uh, positive. You're you'll go and you'll walk and you'll go somewhere. Yeah. You'll get a ticket. Yeah. You'll find the thing. Very educated. That's what I like to do. Sometimes I don't know if my opinions are mine or yours. Sometimes you'll say <laughs> something and I'll go, yeah, that, that's right. And then. <laughs> no, sometimes I do tell you things and you just take it as fact. And then yes. I worry that you'll repeat it somewhere and I'm the source, <laughs> which I, I, I don't know why I'm saying sometimes. I think that happens a lot because, you know, I talk out my ass. Sometimes I, I sometimes I get I get I will retain maybe seventy to eighty percent of the information accurately, but there's always something off. And then it's like you'll go tell Kara, and Kara will be like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no." But it's like interesting things. Like my last big point of yours that I've really latched onto is that when people say about having kids, like you just don't get it. And as child-free people surrounded by kids, you're like, no, actually, we do get it. And we've chosen not to. And maybe you should listen to us when we say we get it versus someone that just decides to be a parent or accidentally is now a parent. And then their life is crumbling around them and because they they didn't have any idea. And that is something that I never thought of. You made it so clear. And I've ran with that. I've been I've been saying that a lot to people. I'm I'm good with you running with that because I stand by that. Yeah, I think it, I and that, you know, 
like with our gift giving and stuff where I've drawn limits now is no more new babies unless they're close, close, close friends. I can't just do randoms anymore. Not randoms, but you know, acquaintance. I can't take on any more children. I can't, I can't take on anymore. And yeah, I do. That was a realization I had recently too, because it's like nobody, when people are thinking about becoming pregnant, nobody is coming to talk to me about it. And I think I have an equally valuable point of view about why I decided not to. And it's not children hate. It's not anything like that. But then I guess like, you know, that's the world. The world needs people to just fall into pregnancy on knowing what's to come. I just don't want to hear about it anymore. It's like, oh, is your life totally different? Okay. Yeah. Could have told you that. Yeah, but it's also a way of parents to think they're insulting you. Like the couple people that have said you wouldn't understand or get it, they have meant it in like a rude way. And it's like, okay, whatever you need to say to be happy with your choices. Like, And I am totally fine not understanding the true depth and, you know, everything about being a parent. I'm fine with that. I just get the basic points that your life changes. I understand that. I get that you wake up early. Yes, I know. (laughs) I get it. You're responsible for another life. Yes, I did not want to take that on. (laughs) Yeah, that was a smart one where I go, yeah, why aren't people talking to the people who've chosen not to? Because they've probably thought about it as well. Because I think they think that we're weirdos. I really do. Even though more and more people are not having kids, I do think that there is a stigma against it. I mean, even the amount of people I know who, because, you know, I'm getting near 40, and so a lot of my friends are in their 40s, and they don't have kids yet. And it's because I know they're not going to. But would they ever say that that's an active choice they've made? No. Well, it's like Tinsley from Real Housewives of New York. You've always said, like, if she she was married forever, like, if she wanted to have a kid, she could have had a kid. With what, Topper? She would have had a kid at any point, at any moment, yeah. if she really wanted it. And I remember talking about that with someone, and they were like, I think you're projecting. And I was like, you'll see in five, six years when she's near 50, she won't have kids. Because she could have got a surrogate. She could have done it on her own at this point, if that was what was so meaningful. But that's what her mom wanted. I mean, Tinsley, whatever. You know, we could go off on a tangent about the inner workings of the housewives forever. But yeah, part she didn't two. want kids. Yeah. <laughs> Part two can be Real Housewives um, stuff. I do hope you get a good Real Housewife on someday because they have such great conflict such... and terrible conflict resolution. <laughs> well, yeah, and the show is different because it's like they're not for, like they wouldn't hang out unless it was the show. So they are forced to like let go of problems or look past them to create the show. Because once you stop filming with someone, it's like yeah. your days are numbered. Yeah, like this one, I'm watching season nine right now, which is the season where Ramona just brought up, uh, she called it soft porn, Bethany's like naked scene in a B-movie that she did in the 90s. And Ramona brought it up like, so you're out there, your naked picture, your soft porn is out there. Um, Have you talked to Bryn about what to do when it's shown to her at school? And... Bethany just was like my six-year-old daughter. I have to, I have to show her my sex, my sex scene. And then when Ramona was trying to make it better in a later episode, she went up to her. She's like, 
So, when you have a girlfriend, do you like to talk about the not-so-good things, too, or is it just the positive things? And Bethany's like, just get away from me. But that was Ramona's approach at conflict resolution. <laughs> Damn. You know what? That You know, another interesting facet that I think... I don't even know why I'm trying to act like a journalist. Why did I say the word facet? But what <laughs> else is fun is you get to see um, like star fucking comics ignoring you. Like you get to see oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. fakeness or how people's personalities towards you change with your proximity to certain other people. Or we Both have such, su- <laughs> but we also have such successful friends or people that are quite that don't have a chip on their shoulder at all and treat you like they would treat everyone, you know? And so I love that you get to see the varied personalities that happen with these like Hollywood parties or whatnot, or even just going to a comedy club. Cause my favorite's Tracy Morgan's trying to start a fight with you. And you were like, I don't care. (laughs) I'm Tracy Morgan. Okay. (laughs) I'm just here. I, you know, I don't know what else to say to you. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, though, that's also why you and I are such good friends, because for all of your friends, no matter what any of us do, you always are just in awe. You're a very, like, supportive, cheering on person. And um, I think that, you know, whenever I'm with you, I just know at the very least, like, well, Lisa cares if I'm here. So who cares, you know? And, and nine times out of ten, most people are happy to chat with somebody. Most people aren't giant freaks, but a lot of them are. <laughs> a lot of them are, or they won't ask questions. Right? Yeah, I think that's regular life, though, too. Really? I think a lot of people don't ask questions. Yeah, because, like, so in my line of work, there is, like, a professional field where you can join in all of these, like, conferences and professional, uh, I don't know, clubs. I don't care at all. Cause I don't know. And somehow, yeah, I still continue to rise in the field. I still continue to develop a career. Um, but yeah, people even there's, there's star fucking even in higher education administration too, which is creepier in my opinion. So maybe that's why I find it more tolerable when I'm actually like around some like celebrities where I'm like, Oh yeah, I get why you wouldn't want to talk to me. Yeah, and, you know, I'm thinking of one of our great art friends and the way he has been, I don't know if we should, yeah, has been treated and it'll probably change very, you know, oh, soon. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. It's like you also see how people treat you, then your position changes and I don't know. Do people think they're slick? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I or I think that I, I think they're just too enamored by their own will and desire for whatever they think proximity to power will get them. That like, because that's that's the thing. Like, it's like if somebody doesn't know that you're my friend, and not even just that we're friends, just as close of friends as we are, which by the way has impacted my actual work life because people are fans of your other podcast, and then they they see me on your Instagram and like literally meltdown. Yeah, brain so melts and I'm always like oh wait what <laughs> and I it's like I shouldn't be surprised by it at this point but it, it you know it's, I don't know it's not I'm not always thinking about it um but I think they just 
are too excited by what the potential connection could be that they've forgotten entirely how they've treated me before. So it is what it is. I liked our, my favorite story is the one person who kept purposely seems like forgetting who you were. And then when finally there was a thing of like, we've met multiple times, it was like, then they played victim. And it's like, you've actually been an outward bitch for months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did not shy away from that for sure. Um, No. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, that person is super nice to me now. And, you know, I never really got to have my moment of explanation about why it bothered me so much. But I did have other friends who were told the story from that person's perspective, who had also already known about it from mine and just said, hey, I think you, you know, I think meeting someone three or four times, especially when you're hang- you're spending more than a minute with them, you should remember who they are. And my thing is, I think she did. I think it was like power moves. Yeah, that's what that's what I think, too. That's why I bristled so much. Like, because I, I, I don't really misread people a lot of the time. Yeah. But I've chosen to, you know, I'm happy that I made the air chill immediately and that people were uncomfortable. And um, it is what it is, you know, and she's nice to me now. Well, I think a hopeful art could be for people who maybe have had recently a falling out with a really good friend. And maybe this is something, you know, I know the situation that you experienced before was really complicated, um, but I do think you're not completely closed off to ever having interaction again. I just think it's going to take a long time and there will be, there will need significant growth or whatever. But I think the hopeful message with our relationship is that one falling out, even if it was really bad. Three years we didn't talk. Yeah, doesn't mean that you're never friends again, and it actually could lead to a way better relationship in the future. And I think that's nice for people, especially if they're just, you know, and I I keep that in the back of my mind, too, because I've had other falling outs, you know, maybe not as explosive or confrontational. um, But I always think, you know, oh, maybe that person will reappear. Well, and, you know, my my favorite friendship coach, Daniel Byer Jackson, she said, like, you know, there could be a friendship that's friendship group that's lasted 30 years, but no one's ever changed. And they're repeating the same patterns from high school. And it's like, is that better than having a more short term friendship? But people are actually growing and changing. So it's like you want to give room to one another to become more complete people. Because we're going to fuck up. I mean, like, if you were moving to L.A., and, like, obviously I didn't want you to go for multiple reasons, but I also just didn't think it would be that great. Um, Or at least I just didn't think it would be what you were anticipating it to be. Um, I could have been like, no, you shouldn't go. You know, I'm right about this. Like, listen to me, you know, like, like, whatever. And maybe you could have stayed, but then maybe that would have impacted our relationship. You know, like, because you would maybe always wonder, well, what if I had already gone to LA? Yeah. You know, because I do kind of feel like it's an inevitable thing for comedians of a certain success that you kind of do have to try it out. And how many of our friends have moved back, you know? Yeah. But I just always think like, you got to give people enough space and trust the relationship. And then, you know, see what happens from there. Yeah, now I'm getting more and more flashbacks. I'm flashbacking to Ikea. We had so much fun. We spent like 10 grand in a day. It felt exhilarating. Oh my God. 
and Target. And Target. Oh, no, we really did it up. It was like we had won a contest, but it wasn't. I had just. (laughs) I actually, I get flashbacks of terror because I keep thinking like we were just so flashy in that apartment especially considering the neighborhood and you were just all alone and not that you were necessarily unsafe, but I just think about that all the time. Like, thank God you didn't get robbed or, you know, no, the neighbors liked me. They just slowly were poisoning me with carbon monoxide. <laughs> but... oh, yeah, I forget. There was a horrible situation. That it just wasn't being robbed or raped. <laughs> yeah, but everyone in the neighborhood wanted were at, was at the party. Like a bunch of people from my block came to the party. My favorite was a guy came at two in the morning asking for Hennessy, and it's like even if there was Hennessy, sir, not at two a.m. Like the <laughs> Hennessy's gone, sir. <laughs> there probably was Hennessy. <laughs> no, it was a wild thing where I hadn't even noticed, and then you know Julia and a couple of our friends showed up to do the first hang. You know we eat, we eat bread and salt in our culture. Um, when you enter a home. So I was like, come over. We'll dr-. And then I realized I was across the street from the projects and did not even notice when I chose the apartment. Like, Well, I will say that I do think this is where I have a skill with you that um, uh, some other people maybe haven't figured out yet. Because, yeah, when you get upset about something, it you can get pretty, like, zeroed in on that yeah and I think I'm pretty good at just letting you have that moment and not trying to force you out of it or not trying to make it better you know like because I remember you you were just we got there and you were just kind of spiraling because of you were literally just having a realization of where you were living (laughs) and we didn't know what we were walking into and then you wanted me to like take notes or something but your energy was so like chaotic and I it was kind of like it took me a minute to kind of get my bearings and you were like can you write this down and I was like uh I don't have a pen and you go your phone (laughs) what did I need you to write down so badly it was like I think it was uh your realtor's number like I think you needed some reassurances there was something that you needed and I was like oh yeah duh my phone (laughs) I'm good at when you're in that kind of minute because you come out of it and then we did the bread and the salt and everything was good. Um, but it was like, it was tense. The, the air was thick when we walked. In. <laughs> yeah. I was opening my like $90 candle presents and blankets from yeah. anthropology <laughs> while there was like a full caterpillar nest in the trees and just mold and monoxide and um yeah it was <laughs> it was wild <laughs> a food desert um you know oh yeah oh gosh yeah <laughs> it was a wild time oh, but I think yeah. my spiral yeah I do I think it's gotten better but I do get so mad so worked up so wild so defensive and then oh you know I need like a night to remember certain things oh well yeah at the most recent not you weren't spiraling but just your um when you get in your moment of needing to do was when we were all out after Libby's show at the restaurant and you were trying to gather as many tables as possible. (laughs) And they were at first saying that the restaurant was like, no, we're not going to accommodate that. And you just were not letting it go. And then you come up to me and I was already seated at the bar. I already ordered, was with my friend and Lane. Some other people in our, in our group were at the bar too. in another area, we were all just kind of doing small groups and popping around and keeping it casual and then you come up to me and you are so excited and you're like we got the tables and I just looked at you and I go 
oh, I will not be sitting out there. <laughs> Your face just fell. And I was like, oh, no. I've ruined her dreams, but I am not participating in a group bill or. No, but this is my, this is the flaw. I get too involved. Why did I have to get the tables? I could have just sat down and enjoyed my fucking life too. But I was like, no, I will control this. Well, I kept saying, I was like, no, we're fine. Everything's fine. And maybe you thought that I, cause you were sitting outside and we were at the bar. And so maybe you were worrying that we all wanted to be outside or something. I could have been a little bit more forceful. Like Lisa, sit down. We will come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it was just like a huge empty table. <laughs> and the host glaring at me, glaring at the table, glaring back. I mean, I guess my biggest pet peeve with you is that you go to sleep. Um, it's quite annoying. <laughs> You'll come to L.A. and be in bed by nine. And it's like, OK. I need the, the time difference affects me. I have to get through it. But yeah, yeah, you you and Lane will stay up forever. And most of our other friends too, but I just can't. Like if I am tired, it's like, yeah, because that night too, I was like, no, I, I need to go. I'm done. Yeah. I'm at my limit. <laughs> yeah. Not I. Always till the better end. Well, thank you so much for doing this Love while you. having COVID. Love you too. It was a good episode, right? Um, make sure you write to us, you know, do a, um, you know, phone call us, give give me issues to talk to people about how to deal with enemies. Um, please holler. I have someone amazing coming in. So write, 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 because I'm going to talk to someone with such good advice in a couple days. So um, get me all your things. Call, email, rate, review, subscribe. I'm saying all this because I listen to someone else's podcast and they were really good about doing this and I'm going to be good about doing it. Subscribe, rate, review, all of that. Like give me some attention. I'm trying hard. Um, so <laughs> why do I always have the urge to say God bless you? So God bless and um, we will see you next. That was a HeadGum Podcast.